Nobody has more respect for women than I do. Nobody. Hillary Clinton wants to abolish it, believe me. She wants to abolish our Second Amendment. I think they didn't deny it. I don't think anybody denied it. Other presidents did not call. They'd write letters, and some presidents didn't do anything. Many people have come out and said, I'm right. You really do have to ask yourself, where does it stop? Hello and welcome to Fallacious Trump, the podcast where we use the insane ramblings of an attention-hungry fluorescent tangerine imbecile to explain logical fallacies. I'm your host, Jim. And I'm your other host, Mark. A logical fallacy is an error in reasoning that results in bad or invalid arguments. And the logical fallacy we're looking at this week is whataboutism. That was a particularly angry <laughs> set of... You've got like five words there. <laughs> that, Normally it's... Yeah. <laughs> that actually came from a guy called Jeff Tiedrick on right. Twitter who frequently comes up with amusing insults yeah. for Trump. So I thought I'd steal that. I love that. Fluorescent is particularly good, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> It's kind of, I'm just so fed up with it. It's a goddamn attention hungry for us to take an episode. Yeah, and that that obeys the rules that we talked about before. Absolutely, you yeah, can't yeah. Got all descriptors the... in the right order. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. what aboutism? Mm. We were just talking about this before we started. Uh, of, you know, yeah. why haven't we done this one before? And we have done two quatque, which is very closely yeah. linked to this one because two quatque, yeah. as I'm sure you'll remember is accusing the other person, the, the person who is accusing you of something, accusing them of hypocrisy, accusing them of, of doing the same kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. What aboutism can be that, but really it's, a, it's about distracting or derailing the conversation by saying that someone else has done something, basically accusing someone else. It could be the person you're talking to, it could be someone else, not necessarily of doing the same thing as you've done, but just of anything right. else that you can use as a kind of distraction to get the conversation away from the thing you're being accused of. Right. The implication yeah. is that the thing that you're accusing them of is is just as bad, is is kind of morally right. equivalent, yeah. which is another yeah. one that yeah, we've yeah. also we've done moral equivalents. Yeah, 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 yeah. So nice. okay. for Trump and for, for mm. people defending Trump, yeah. it's become a, a cliche of people saying, but her emails. Because right. of the, right. the amount of times that people, whenever Trump is accused of anything, bring up Hillary and the email server, it, as if that in some way makes whatever it is that Trump's being accused of okay. And that yeah. has been yeah. going for quite a long time, and it's even happening right now as he's being accused of, of all of these oh uh, crimes yeah. to do with, yeah. with classified documents. And this is Lindsey Graham. Donald Thank Trump you. has said repeatedly that he did nothing wrong. Do you <clears> believe yeah. that? Well, here's what I believe. We live in an America where if you're the Democratic candidate for president, Hillary Clinton, secretary of state, you can set up a private server in your basement to conduct government business. And when an investigation is had about your activity. No, let me finish. But you didn't answer the question. That was ridiculous. Well, yeah, I'm trying to answer the question from a Republican point of view. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there you go. He's kind of let the cat out yeah, the bag there, Yeah, weirdly, that's exactly yeah. what he's yeah. doing. Because answering yeah. the question of do you think Trump did something wrong from a Republican yeah. point of view is, well, Hillary did something wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And he gets really angry when they've, you know, <laughs> fair play to the journalists who kind of, they've finally become brave enough to interrupt and say, <laughs> Yeah, you're not answering the question. Yeah, and then you go, "How dare you?" Yeah, I'm trying. Will you let me finish? Yeah, but you're not. Answering the question. I'm, I'm answering it. Yeah, in yeah. a Republican, in fashion. a Republican way. Yeah, yeah. which yeah. is not answering the question. At all. But just to kind of to grab at something, 
It's a bit like when we were talking about the QAnon book. All you've got to say is George Soros. Yeah. The red mist will descend and everything else will get forgiven. Yeah. So that's kind of what he's doing. He's, you know, he's lifting up the red flag. This is look over there, the fallacy, essentially. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Trump could arguably be accused of doing this quite frequently. Mm-hmm. One of the times he did it was after Charlottesville when Nazis oh God, yeah, ran yeah, into yeah. someone with their car and killed them. And yep. he was asked about the, the alt-right and how uh, that seemed to be quite a bad thing. And he said this. What about the alt-left that came charging at the, as you say, the alt-right? Do they have any semblance of guilt? This is what, let me ask you this. What about the fact that came charging, that they came charging with clubs in their hands, swinging clubs? Do they have any problem? I think they do. When you're asked about the dangers of the alt-right and you say, well, what about the alt-left? That's not addressing the question that you've no, been asked. No. That is trying to distract from the question and put some of the blame or some of the attention on someone else. And also, as a, kind of, as a president, when a tragedy like that happens, the very least you could do is you could say thoughts and prayers. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's and to, nothing. To, to, but it is. Yeah, yeah. But to take up a he kind doesn't of even do neutral, the least you can do. No, no. He just he just says, as you call him, the alt right, <laughs> which immediately associates him with the alt right. When as soon as he says, yeah, what about the other guys who are wielding clubs? Yeah, they weren't wielding the fucking car into people. Yeah, he's associated himself with the alt right and invented the alt left, <laughs> and then he also adds in you know denigrates the question in itself uh by saying oh, well as you call them the alt right yeah. and it's just yeah god he's a <laughs> tension hungry imbecile isn't he yeah john oliver noticed that this is a thing that trump does and that trump right. supporters do or, or trump's defenders at least uh, especially those at the time not so much these days but still mm. quite a lot on fox news And so he put together this little compilation of them doing it. The mainstream media focused on the Trump campaign and allegations of collusion with the Russians. But what about the Democrats' possible ties to Moscow? Former National Security Advisor General Michael Flynn investigated for his private meeting with Russia. But what about Hillary Clinton? The media wants to call into question the credibility uh, and the trustworthiness of this administration. Uh, But what about Benghazi? What about the blatant lies that the Obama administration told us? What about the fact that Ben Rhodes bragged about lying to the media and the public about the Iran deal. Uh, You know, what about the fact that Jonathan Gruber basically said the American people was stupid? Okay, stop, stop, stop. Because here is the thing. None of the errors those people may have made in the past excuse the Trump administration's actions. Yeah, exactly. exactly Thank you, John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yes. Yes. Is the point. Even if we take on face value all of the things that you say when you say what about these people and the bad things they did, none of that means that the thing that the person is is being accused of that you're trying to distract from is okay yes and yeah isn't worthy of being looked at and the fact that you've had to bring up an example of somebody else misbehaving because you're misbehaving in a way gives the lie <laughs> to the fact that you're not misbehaving so you're you're definitely doing the thing you're doing sufficient to warrant you saying oh yeah but yeah, but what about him? So you're smashing the windows of the classroom. Yeah, yeah, but look at him. He's drawing on people's faces with ink. Yeah, and that yeah. is one of the difficult things about whataboutism is that sometimes people are genuinely calling out hypocrisy. 
And that isn't fallacious when you do that. If you're mm-hmm. if you're saying you seem to have a problem with this thing, but you don't seem to have a problem with this other very problematic thing that everyone's been talking about for ages and everyone's been asking you to do something about or something like right. that. Yeah. It's difficult sometimes to tell where that line is between mm. justifiably calling out hypocrisy and trying to bring up something else to distract from a current accusation. Yeah. And so when it, if it is used against you, if someone accuses you of, of whataboutism, or if someone accuses you of something and you want to say, well, what about the thing you're accused of? Yeah, yeah. The r- responsible way to do it, the non-fallacious way to do it, is yeah. to address the accusation first. Yes. Is to say, yes. well, here's the reasons that that accusation is invalid. Or, yeah. yes, that accusation's true, and I accept that, I did something wrong, and I'm sorry about it. Um, we're doing something about also, it. Also, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what about yeah. this? <laughs> yes, yes, so, yes. So if you've already addressed the accusation and then you can say, how come you're having a go at me with in this whereas you Where, are just yeah. as guilty or these people yes. have done something just as bad? Well, it's kind of like, yes, he is without, you know, or, no, people in glass houses shouldn't throw yeah. stones. So you can get away with doing the whataboutism or in such a way that doesn't commit the fallacy, if you yourself admit, yes, the thing that you've leveled, the accusation you've leveled at me is a valid one. I'm doing this to address it, but what are you doing to address the one that's your, the, your, similar for you? Or address the accusation if it isn't valid in a, in a way yep. that backs up your point with evidence for that rather yep. than just trying to distract from it. And. Now is the time, I think, for Mark's British politics. Corner. This fallacy underlines the entirety of Rishi Sunak's responses in Prime Minister's questions ever since he became Prime Minister. And in that kind of levelling an accusation uh, and responding with, yeah, but what about what your political party is doing? It would be a, would be a valid thing to use... He, he, First of all, we've talked about it before, he just dredges up Jeremy Corbyn, if in doubt, just you know, smash the glass marked Jeremy Corbyn. So he was asked about, uh, in one of the Prime Minister's questions, in, and we covered it in a previous episode, in January this year, he was asked why he had not sacked Nadim Zahawi after a tax scandal. And what he does is, yeah, but what about you and your anti-Semitism? And you sat next to Jeremy, you talk about values, you sat next to Jeremy Corbyn for four years. At least I resigned when I took um, umbrage at what Boris Johnson was doing. It took him two years to do that. So it would have been not a fallacy if Starmer had said, yeah, and we know that anti-Muslim feeling is, is rife in the Tory party. He could have then said, we've done something to address that. What about you and your anti-Semitism? Yeah. That's but, a reasonable response, yeah, isn't it? To say, yeah. to say, yeah, okay, there's problems all around. We're doing something to address it. What are you doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But instead, all he did was, in response to, why haven't you sacked Nazim Zahawi after his undeclared tax when he got fined for undeclared like six million quid or something? And Starmer said, well, we all know why that is because his his wife was claiming non-dom tax relief, even though she was married to the prime minister and they were living in England, and all that stuff. But instead of saying, okay, yeah, you're right, we're sorting that out. What about you and your tax things over there? He just went, yeah, you talk about values. You sat next to Jeremy Corbyn for four years, glossing over the fact that at the time, 
he said that Jeremy Corbyn was no longer a minister. He wasn't in the cabinet, wasn't on the back benches. He was no longer a Labour MP, so he had done something about it. But anyway, that's not the example. It just reminded me of that one. The actual example, just to show that he constantly does this, The um, I was watching a commentator on Sunak who described him as the prime miniature, <laughs> which is brilliant. So the prime miniature, little Rishi Sunak, this week told everyone to hold their nerve in the UK where the bank lending rate has gone up to 5% in order to try and bring down inflation, which went up because Liz Trust trashed the economy last summer. And so the, the lending rate going up will have a massive impact on mortgages. And in this week's Prime Minister's questions, Sunak faced questions from Labour MP Chris Bryant and the new SNP leader in Westminster, Stephen Flynn, in reaction to this hold your nerve message. And here's Chris Bryant's question. The Prime Minister has had responsibility for the UK economy now for 1,323 days, and he's delivered. He's delivered the largest national peacetime debt ever, the largest tax burden since the Second World War, the highest core inflation since 1991, the fastest interest rate rises since 1989, and the biggest fall in living standards in our history. So will he stop lecturing my constituents about holding their nerve, ditch the lame excuses, and admit that he is literally the worst person to be leading this country through a cost-of-living crisis? So some fairly weighty and quite specific points raised there, which Rishi uh, addresses one by one, coolly and fiscally responsibly, pointing out how the party is facing each of those head on. No, 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 he doesn't do that. He says this. Mr Speaker, again, what do we hear from the party opposite? Only ideas that would make the situation far worse, Mr Speaker. It's as simple as that. The Honourable Gentleman has sat there and supported plans to borrow tens of billions of pounds more. That would make inflation worse. The Honourable Gentleman has sat there and said that we should not stand up to unaffordable union pay demands. That would make the situation worse. And the Honourable Gentleman has sat there and supported plans to not exploit our domestic sources of energy, Mr Speaker, imperilling our energy security. Those are all things that would make not just the situation worse for British families today but for years into the future and that's why this Conservative government will keep doing the right thing to support them. So instead of addressing all of the things that Chris Bryant said which are all true he, he just said yeah but what about you whilst you've been over there the other side of the thing you, what you've done is you're, you have you voted for measures to borrow more money to plug the holes which is what happened when they had to plug the truss hole which is what made inflation go up. And he also calls pay demands unaffordable. So that's basically the nurses and the doctors and uh, the transport workers who are all asking for a cost of living rise because the cost of living's gone up and they haven't been paid. Their, their wages have gone down in real terms over the last 13 years since the Tories have been in government. So that's unaffordable whilst spending millions on the Rwanda refugee shipping deal and he also very carefully steps around the river by saying you're saying we shouldn't invest in our domestic energy production and the reason why that's controversial is because that's fossil fuels it's reopening the coal mines it's fracking so it's all of the things that the Tory party used to be against because they were a green party greener than the greens as thatcher once said 
So he's just pointing at, here are all the things that you're, so instead of saying, yeah, you're right. Actually, yes, those things are all true. And here are the measures we're putting in place. And then he could legitimately say, and some of the things that you voted for might have an impact on that. But none of the things he voted for have anything to do with the things he is accused of doing. So he's just distracted, which is what he does all the time in Prime Minister's Questions. You just need to go back and, like I have, watch all of them since he's been elected. So here's um, Stephen Flynn, the new leader in Westminster of the Scottish National Party, and he's asking, based on the same, just hold your nerve, He's asking Rishi Sunak this. Mr Speaker, on Sunday the Prime Minister patronised the public when he told them that in the face of ever-increasing mortgage bills that they simply need to hold their nerve. What a nerve. So may I ask him, the near billionaire, when was the last time that he struggled to pay a bill? In a week where the Conservative Party and indeed the Labour Party both refused to accept proposals for public sector pay rises, whilst at the same time accepting the economic damage of Brexit. Is it not the case that Westminster does not offer the people real change nor real hope? Of course, the answer is, for the first question, that Rishi Sunak never has had to struggle to pay a bill. So instead of saying, I get where you're coming from, Stephen, I get where the people's problems lie, but... When I said hold your nerve, I meant the banking institutions so that they don't overreact and put the homes of our constituents in danger of being repossessed and their welfare at risk if, you know, by not cutting off energy supplies prematurely, etc., etc., all of that. So, no, no, he doesn't do that. What he does do is trot out the increasing wages, increases inflation nonsense, and then makes an oblique reference to, yeah, but what about the Scottish National Party's money troubles? His first question talks about the uh, talks about the challenges posed on ordinary families by higher interest rates caused by higher inflation. What does his next question do? Support a policy that would increase government borrowing and make the situation worse. Mr Speaker, it just demonstrates completely candidly why the SNP's approach to economic management is simply not fit for anyone in the United Kingdom. Because in recent times, Nicola Sturgeon, the former leader of the SNP, and her husband have both been arrested in uh, connection with dodgy money handling for, for of the party's funds. So there's an oblique reference there, which is tenuous at best. <laughs> it involves money. Yeah. But to, to say, yeah, when did you... Who, Rishi Sunak's personal wealth is £730 million. So he hasn't ever struggled to pay a bill. Maybe once, just prior to getting his Goldman Sachs bonus one year, he had a mortgage for about 20 minutes and then he paid it all off. So he's never struggled. So instead of saying, yes, I made a mistake, I shouldn't have said that, I was perhaps you know, voicing my own internal monologue. <laughs> when said, hold your nerve, Rashid, you'll be fine, you'll be fine. It would be nice to see if, just just for, for theory, really, to see yeah. if a politician ever saying, you know what, I was wrong, might yeah. be yeah. a good thing. I yeah. can't remember a time when it's happened, ever. No. But I feel yeah, like... I th- yeah, I think I've heard Tony Benn say, yes, I was wrong about that. Yeah. 
at, at one point, and that and. And consequently, he didn't get elected as leader. Oh, right. Okay. Um, so it's everyone else learned from that. Or, but, or, or yeah, none of yeah, 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 yeah maybe, yeah. But it does, <laughs> yeah, it does seem to be a a more nuanced left wing thing to think that that would be uh, the way forward. It's a bit like ask. There was a radio program where they would in, interview. Can't remember what it was Radio Four somewhere. They'd interview politicians, and they would the politicians would kind of come on and they do all that stuff. And then one of the sections was a kind of light-hearted thing, where they would say you can only answer yes or no, and and of course they couldn't. Yeah. They just said <laughs> politicians. So the extension of that is to say, do you think you were wrong there? Oh yes, I, I think I was wrong. And I think it, it's even a rare thing for them to say that after they've left, left office. Mm. For, for some reason, you know, like Cameron doesn't say, yeah, fuck it, we shouldn't have done the referendum. He hasn't said that yet. No. It's not, <laughs> he's not far enough away. Nick Clegg said, I'm sorry, shouldn't have done that, when he supported the, the increase in fees going I mean, up. He didn't, he didn't even support that. He was, he, he was made to announce it. Yes, by the yes, yes, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. That yeah, was the quite. thing. Yeah, he, was, he became the fall guy. He yeah. literally became the fall guy. Yeah. And then he apologised for it and his his apology became... He should have stood up a, to them and said, no, I'm not going to do that. But yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. that's what he was... Exactly. He, 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 had, he, not, had yeah. quite, he had the power in his hands to bring down the government. He should have done it. He didn't. That but he, didn't he had the power to not take an active role in well no he did he, he could have he could have withdrawn because it was a coalition government yeah, yeah. Well, he could have just said yeah. well we're not going to vote for that and now he's fucked off and he works for google facebook facebook yeah 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 as their strategist for communications <laughs> yeah it's going really well isn't it what yeah <laughs> what about facebook peg how's that going Jackson there. Whatever happened to Michael Jackson? Michael Jackson there with, <laughs> with a song. The ultimate what about song. So in the fallacy in the world, we'd like to talk about the fallacy of the week from a non-political perspective. And our first example this week comes from Friends. 
course. Yay! And this is that great Thanksgiving episode where Rachel put yeah. beef in the trifle. Yeah. And <laughs> Monica and Ross's parents are over for the for Thanksgiving. They've always disliked Chandler. And Monica has recently started living with Chandler. Mm-hmm. And so they realised that why is because Ross told them a lie about Chandler when they were both in college together. And Monica convinces Ross to own up. You remember that, that time you walked in my room and smelled marijuana? Yes. yes. <laughs> well, I told you it was Chandler who was smoking the pot, but it was me. I'm sorry. It was you? Yeah, and Dad, you know that mailman that you got fired? He didn't steal your Playboys. Ross did. <laughs> yeah, well, Hurricane Gloria didn't break the porch swing. Monica did. <laughs> Ross hasn't worked at the museum for a year. Monica and Chandler are living together. to get in 30 seconds. So, yeah, each time one of them them makes an accusation against the other one, they just counter it with another one, essentially, to distract. So good. Yeah. Yeah, what about that? What about that? What about that? Yeah. Yeah. She got off Ross to admit to that. And then... And then and just counters it with, with the Playboy yes, thing. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> why? You've got what you wanted. Why did you not? Why did you need to do that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So our second example comes from Dallas, and oh, wow. this is when Clayton Farlow, Miss Ellie's second husband, yeah. is accused of having an affair. Ellie, we have got to talk. The time to talk was before I found out about that girl. Ellie, you're angry with me because of a perfectly innocent friendship with a young girl. Well, now, what about you? What about when that Charlton West Pomley came around, taking you out, courting you? I gave you all the time you needed to work it out. That was different. The hell it was. It was the same. It was not the same. I thought he was Jock. So, yeah, as I'm sure all of you Dallas fans will remember, um, in the previous season, there was a new farmhand on South Fork, who yeah. Miss Ellie found strangely familiar um, yeah. and and discovered that he had her her late husband Jock's belt buckle and and some pictures of her with Jock when they were younger and, and stuff like that. And yeah. so he claimed that he was in fact her dead husband not dead because he the the South American helicopter crash that he'd been in hadn't killed him and he just had extensive reconstructive surgery. Right. It was just de-aged by yeah. CGI. And, yeah. uh, but but actually he was lying and he was he was trying to take her for a ride. So so her yeah. excuse that when she had almost had an affair with the with the farmhand, it was because yeah. she thought he was Jock is is why. It's very yeah. different, a totally different situation yeah. than than Clayton just finding a young woman attractive and, and yeah. kind of sparking up a friendship with her. So, exactly. Yeah. So um, <laughs> our final example in this section is from House. 
Yay. And this is an episode where they are treating a priest who has lost his faith, but who had a, a religious hallucination. So if I had to cure you, what happens then? You start thinking that God was working through me. This is some sort of miracle. Do you think I'm an idiot? It's what I'm testing. Losing my faith wasn't a choice I made. It happened, it's gone for good. But if it can magically disappear, it can magically reappear. And that's what you're hoping. Your job sucks. That's my point. You can make more money frapping decaps, and yet you're still ministering to the meek. Why do the Lord's work if the Lord has left the building? I've been with the church my entire adult life. It's my only marketable skill. I detect the stink of leftover faith. You want to talk hypocrisy? What about you? You act like you don't care about anyone, but here you are saving lives. Solving puzzles. Saving lives is just collateral damage. So, yeah. He's the... That's all very well, but what about you? Yeah. Acting like you don't care and yet you're saving lives. Your What's that going to do with it? Yeah, yeah. 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 So, yeah, House is sceptical of this priest's lack of faith Yeah, and, and suggests that actually he not only still wants to believe but really deep inside still believes yeah the priest doesn't want to talk about it doesn't want to go down that road so so changes the subject and accuses house of just trying to cover up his real altruism (laughs) yeah by by pretending he doesn't care about people yeah because that's a direct corollary isn't it Uh yeah he has some he has some dodgy cases, doesn't he? Oh, House, no. it's not it's not Doogie House. None of them are straightforward. Kind of no, no. So solving problems. They all take around forty four minutes to solve. Yeah, yeah, with, yeah. With thankfully, there are breaks every yeah. fifteen or twenty yeah. minutes, just so you can kind of relax and think. Oh, that was intense. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. But also, wh- why would you go and see a doctor about your loss of faith? No, it's not. It's not the lost faith. It's the it's the vision that he has of oh, okay. a, a floating Jesus with stigmata, and he's like, "Whoa! Right. Since I don't believe that that's a real thing, <laughs> I must be going crazy. I need to see a doctor." So that that's what takes oh, okay. him to the hospital. Oh, yeah. fair enough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna play fake news, folks. I love the game. It's a great game. I understand the game as well as anybody, as well as anybody. Yes, it's time for Fake News, the game where I read out three Trump quotes, two of which are real and one I made up, and Mark has to figure out which one is fake news. So before we get any further and talk about how few I've got compared with how many times we play it, what about you and that time you went into the bank in order to talk to them about a mortgage offer that you had and you realised that you were in the wrong... No, wait a minute, that was me. <laughs> and, what about, and what about that time when... When you were in the band and you started playing a song and it wasn't until you got to the chorus that you realised you were playing the wrong song and the singer was singing the words to the other song. Again, that was me. (laughs) But what about the time, right, when you invited your uncle over and you're sitting around waiting for him to arrive and you rang him up and he said, I've got it in my diary for next weekend and then you check your diary and it turned out you've got it in your diary for next... Again! (laughs) Not you, but that. But apart from that, apart from that, yeah. Apart from that, what about all of those times? Well, exactly. I've forgotten what uh, the original accusation was now, so that's worked. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> so uh, the examples that we have this week are yeah. ones where 
uh, Trump displays his in-depth knowledge mm-hmm. of fossil fuel technologies and specifically clean coal. Oh, okay. Right. Right. So, I've often wondered. Statement number yeah. one. We have aggressively cancelled job-killing regulations and we're unleashing job-creating American energy like we've never unleashed before. We've ended the war on beautiful clean coal and it's just been announced that a second brand new coal mine where they're going to take out clean coal, meaning they're taking out coal, they're going to clean it, is opening in the state of Pennsylvania. The second one. <laughs> like we've never unleashed before. And they're going to take it out and they're going to clean it. Statement okay, two. Yeah. What a lot of people don't realise is that the Obama administration didn't understand this. Remember, they said we're going to get rid of coal miners. But coal, actually, I don't even call it coal. I call it clean coal. Beautiful clean coal. Because they can do things now that nobody ever even thought of before. And what it does is it cleans the coal. So it's better than even wind, which frankly is a disaster. It's clean coal. Because <laughs> wind is a disaster. Yeah, I was, I was talking to somebody the other day, Some somebody who ought to know better, who said, oh, yeah, those windmills, there are oh, lots of dead birds at the bottom of them. Oh, Christ. You go, what? Where'd you get that from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And statement so, yeah, number three. There you go. It's a disaster. Yeah. My stance on coal is very simple. We right now are destroying an industry. We are destroying an industry. And coal was, you know, it did things for us for many, many years. And we send our coal to China and China burns the coal and whatever. They have no cleaning method. They don't care about it. I felt, feel very strongly, you know, they have clean coal now. They have machinery that cleans coal. And my stance on coal is very positive. (laughs) Can't get black coal anymore. It's white. It's clean. <laughs> clean. All the black stuff has been washed off. All that horrible old carbon. It's washed away. <laughs> yeah. Where does it go when you wash it? Okay. Right. But well, I'm quite taken with unleashing job creation in American energy like it's never unleashed before. That For me, that might be a tell. Mm. But then... But the one about... I, God, I don't even call it coal, I call it clean coal. Ah, trouble is, I can hear him say all of them. Ah, okay. And China, China burns the coal. And... Mm. Okay, I think, yeah, my stance on coal is very positive. Okay, so I think... They're taking out coal. They're going to clean it. Never unleashed before. I think, therefore, number one is the one that you made up. Okay, so of the other two, which are you more convinced by? I think the I call it coal, clean coal, beautiful clean coal. Wind is a disaster. Oh no! Now I've um, yeah. I think number two. Okay. And yeah. Number two. Yeah. Is yeah. Fake news. Oh, I knew as soon as I got <laughs> to wind, which is a disaster. That was ah, nice work. That yeah, but coal actually, I don't even call it coal. I call it clean coal, beautiful clean coal. <laughs> you see that? I can hear him saying yeah, it clear yeah. as well in that <laughs> that gold club in Mar-a-Lago. And then yeah, but then as soon as I read it again, I went <laughs> see about the wind, which is frankly a disaster. That, uh-huh. That was that, was, that, that was, was the last bit one. I added because originally in yeah. my in my first version I didn't have yeah. that, which frankly is I had better than even wind. Then I thought, but he doesn't think wind is good, so I have no. to add. 
Yeah. an afterthought, yeah. which is how he talks anyway. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Constantly with an afterthought. Yes, an afterthought that's been fed to him by uh-huh. his brand managers. <laughs> yeah, the brand manager in his head. Okay, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, we don't like wind, yeah, because it's a disaster. Yeah. Oh, wow. So uh, so that means that number wow. one is, yeah. is real. real. Oh, my God. We have aggressively cancelled job-killing regulations, and we're unleashing job-creating American energy like we've never unleashed before. (laughs) We've ended the war on beautiful, clean coal, and it's just been announced that a second brand-new coal mine where they're going to take out clean coal, meaning they're taking out coal, they're going to clean it, is opening <laughs> in the state of Pennsylvania, the second one. No. Yeah, he's clear, clearly, clearly, clearly got a full understanding of clean yeah, coal technology. Yeah. That's good, yeah. And just as I thought that was clearly made up, you're going to take it out, you're going to take out <laughs> coal, they're going clean to clean it. it. But, yeah. Uh-huh. It's, no way. And <laughs> now, like we'd never unleashed before. Uh-huh. That's, oh my God. He actually said it out loud. And uh, he also no, said number three. No. My stance on call is, is very simple. We right now are destroying an industry. We are destroying an industry. And coal was, you know, it, it did things for us for many, many years. <laughs> and we send our coal to China. And China burns the coal. And whatever, they, they have no cleaning meth. They don't care about it. Uh, I feel very strongly, you know, they have clean coal now. They have machinery that cleans coal. And my stance on coal is uh, very positive. It's clean. It just makes it clean. It's clean. It's clean. It's clean. Clean. It's clean. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just, it's uh, it's so obviously. Okay. Yeah, Mr. President, can you tell us about clean coal? Yeah, tell us about clean (laughs) coal. So he's just gone. Okay, well, there's two concepts there. Coal, I know, is is kind of filthy and dirty and it burns and the smoke comes out. And clean sounds like the opposite of filthy and dirty. So yeah, so yep. There's, yeah. there's I guess there's machinery because they, they wouldn't employ people to do that. So there must be a machine. Well, be a machine. Yeah. yeah. So what I'm guessing happened coal. is they had a a person come in and explain clean coal technology to Trump. Yeah. yeah. And he just didn't take any of it no. in and just remembers the fact that there's a thing called clean coal, and <laughs> exactly, that means he yeah. can he can bring mines back and give jobs yeah. to miners, and, yeah. and that's exactly. you know that's what Obama wanted to stop. So. Yeah, so yeah. That, that, there's my excuse for for, so for can, doing yeah. it. Yeah, he's a bit like that Far Side cartoon where there's there's a <laughs> picture of a dog being talked to <laughs> yeah. by by its owner, <laughs> and he's going, "Yeah, okay, we're going to want you to do that hit rover, and then I want you to take the rover, and then I want you to give it, and all it, and all the dog hears, <laughs> yeah, only hears its rover, name, uh, yeah, rover." So he's just going, "Yeah, machinery, coal, <laughs> clean, yeah, yeah, industry." So, um, right, so in case you know as much as Trump does about clean coal, yeah. clean coal is, is a is a very optimistic way of saying it. Mm. <laughs> what it what it means is recapturing some of that carbon mm. that is released into the atmosphere when coal is burned. So, yep. so clean coal technology is just coal plants where. With um, carbon capture. Where, where it isn't, yeah, car- carbon capture and storage. They put it through various processes that mean that it captures some of those gases and then 
puts those into rocks underground or under the sea to mean right. that they don't get into the atmosphere. We'll just pretend we didn't see that. Yeah. So we just, we'll just shove it under there. We'll, we'll just ignore that. It doesn't make it clean. <laughs> it doesn't no. make it a good power source. Um, it makes it way better than it currently mm. is. Mm. But it's also incredibly expensive to build yeah. new carbon-capturing coal yep. plants or retrofit existing plants. The IEA, which is the International Energy Agency, they say mm-hmm. that the world would need to capture and store almost 5,600 million tonnes a year of CO2 wow. to, to meet the scenario in 2050 where the Earth's temperature rises by only 2 degrees Celsius. Wow. Currently, this yeah. is a report of 20, as of 2022, projects in operation or under construction sitting at mm-hmm. approximately 40 million tonnes per annum. So... 40 as opposed to 5,600 million. Right. Which is not enough. And would be incredibly expensive to get it anywhere near the state it needs to be in. And and that money, frankly, instead of doing that, could be better spent on investing in renewable energy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So unfortunately, you didn't get that one right. Man. And and competing against you are some people on patreon.com slash Trump. And yeah. in our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash fallacious Trump. Yeah. Christine in the Facebook group says number one. So mm-hmm. uh, that mm-hmm. also was not correct. Yeah. Yeah. Tash, Colleen and Stephen in yeah. the patron group all yeah. went for number three. So I I win against everyone. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah see, I think so. that was the many... <laughs> It did things for us for many, many years. Yeah, it would, you know, it was seeing dance, play the piano, bring us tea, that kind of thing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it's China and China burns the coal. But they don't, they don't clean it. They don't wash it. They don't care. <laughs> the one that got me was beautiful, clean coal. Beautiful, clean and coal. And like we'd never unleashed before. <laughs> oh, well, I kind of don't mind losing to that because that was a nicely well-written one. But yeah, but before you concentrate and think, what about the time, right, when it was your mother's birthday and you put the wrong number of candles on the cake? What about that? Again, again, that was me. But that's beside the point. Let's just not concentrate on the score on the left. Yeah, the one on the right goes up every single time. That's true. Yeah. So it's time for the part of the show that this week, at least, is called Clinton's Socks are Not a Logical Fallacy. <laughs> and we're not talking about his cat. Yeah. <laughs> no, the cat, yeah. the cat has been unfairly connected to this legal case. Yeah. Uh, nothing yeah. to do with the cat at all. Exactly. Um, cat's going, hey! So this is because uh, one of Trump's favourite defences in the documents case has yeah. been to point to a case that he calls the Clinton Socks case and claims that because of the Clinton Socks case, that's the precedent, that's a very important legal case that means that presidents have the right to do whatever the fuck they want with documents. (laughs) Right. And no one can say anything. No. And that's that's what that means. So, therefore... Consequently, he's he's completely innocent. Yeah, 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 because of Clinton Socks. And so I thought it might be worth... Just having a look at talking about exactly what, that, what is, that is, because yeah. Yeah. surprisingly enough, doesn't say quite what he says it says. Oh, really? Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, it yeah. isn't a case which gives the president the right to do whatever the fuck they want with documents. So, no. yeah. 
basically, while Bill Clinton was president, mm-hmm. the Presidential Records Act was already a thing because it was 1978 that came in uh, after after Nixon. After Nixon, yeah. yeah. He was being interviewed regularly by a journalist called Taylor Branch, who was writing a book about him, basically writing a book about his presidency. And so he would yeah. he would record interviews with this guy, his historian, really, rather than journalist. Yeah. So those recordings he kept on cassette tapes, 79 cassette tapes, which, which mm-hmm. ended up being part of Branch's book, The Clinton Tapes. Yeah. And uh, Clinton supposedly kept those tapes in his sock drawer, at least for a time. So that's why it kind of right. became connected with his socks and why Trump insists on right. calling it the Clinton socks case. Not the Clinton tapes case, no, which would no. seem to be a bit more indicative of what the substance of the case is. We wouldn't have then have to explain that bit. Yeah. 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 But the thing is, this wasn't a case where the National Archives mm-hmm. and the former president were in disagreement about whether they should have these documents and who should be looking after them. Right. The, the National Archives agreed that these were personal records, personal documents, not public documents. Presidential, and, right. Yeah, yep. Not, not yep. presidential documents, and therefore they didn't have any hold over them at all. Not necessary for them to get involved. These were just documents that, that were him talking to a historian about stuff. Right. So it wasn't the court deciding between whether the National Archives or the former president was right this was yeah. a group called Judicial Watch, who is a conservative activism organisation, who right. wanted to get hold of these uh, tapes and um, yeah. tried to do a FOIA request. A, a, um, freedom of Information Act. Freedom of Information yeah. Act, that's yeah. the one. I'm yeah. struggling to yeah. remember what FOIA stood for. Yeah, Freedom <laughs> yeah. of Information Act request. But because they're not public documents, they weren't held by the National Archives, they, they didn't, couldn't so access therefore, them. therefore, there wasn't... Yeah, they couldn't freely access them because yeah. it wasn't... Freely available information. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. So what they did was they sued the archives to try Uh and get them to seize these tapes as public documents so that then they they would be able to have access to them. Listen to them. Right. Okay. But the archives said, well, no, they're not they're not public documents. They're personal documents, so we don't there's nothing we can do about that. Were they asking them? Asking the archive to make them retrospectively yeah, yeah. public documents. They were they were asking the archive to decide that these personal documents were in fact public documents, so that they right. could take control of them. Right. And the archives were like, "But they're not." Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 Fair enough. So, yeah. so the yeah. the judicial watch took the archives to court and tried to uh-huh. compel them to to make a ruling, make them, to make this yeah. judgment, and the judge. Amy Berman Jackson said, yeah. I, th- "No, they can't. <laughs> the the court, apart from the fact that Nara doesn't have to do it, the court can't make them make a different decision on yeah. which what? documents are public or private. That's yeah. not how this works. Yeah. And so, because the court said that it was essentially Clinton's decision that these were personal documents." was right they he was uh-huh. he had the right to claim these as personal documents and nara yeah. couldn't be compelled be to compelled to change yeah. that and and yeah. make them public documents yeah um because because that was the the decision 
now Trump and his supporters are saying, see, the the court says, under the Clinton Sox case, that the president has the right to decide whatever he wants is a personal document. Oh, so he's just universalised it. Yeah. From, from that, in this case... Well, it's kind of, it's kind of, it's not like an active part, an active thing on Clinton's part. It's not the same in any way. Because the National Archive said, okay, yeah, no, they, they aren't, they didn't, Clinton didn't say these are personal because I said so, and therefore the National Archive had to comply. The National Archive said, no, we agree, we agree with you. Absolutely. That these aren't. They're a bit like the ones that Bob Woodward has got when he interviewed Trump for his book. Yeah. So yeah. That's, so, so yeah. there must so have been this was not the only person. The only people who said these are um, these are public documents that the archive should have was the people at Judicial Watch, judicial, who yeah. aren't lawyers. No, they're just people that wanted to listen yeah. to the tapes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay, and and Tom Fitton, who is uh, currently the head of Judicial Watch, also not a right. Oh, he still goes. Right. He's the still, one yeah. who has been uh, and was advising Trump that uh, okay. basically whatever you want to call a personal document is a personal document, right? Despite the fact so he lost a, a, this case. A, yeah, so his aggrieved stance is going. Huh, well, just like the, you know, the president can just say these are mine, and the National Archive can't do anything. So Trump's just lighted on that oh well that's great i'll use that then yeah in in a completely wrong-headed way yeah so they, they've done a bit of cherry picking they found a section yeah. of the ruling of this case yeah where the court uh, judge jackson writes the presidential records act does not confer any mandatory or even discretionary authority on the archivist to classify records under the statute this responsibility is left solely to the president so They've they've taken that, that taken it completely out of context and said, well, that that means the president is the only person who has the responsibility to classify records as personal or public. Yeah. And that's it. There's no other, you know, that that wins our case for us. So who who do they think is going to be convinced by that? In legal circles. Oh, no one without, in legal without, circles. Yeah. With, right. Just without all the people them, who, who are them, already yeah. Trump supporters. Yeah. Without, without them saying, yeah, but, but wait a minute, that, that ruling, yeah, give me the number again. Yeah, they, they would just go back and look it up and go, well, that's within this context, that's what they're talking about. Yeah. They, under, in this case, there is no, the, no precedent set. They can't. The, the, it's not apparent that they have the right to do that in this case. And so all lawyers would, go, would just go back and look at the case number yeah. and look it up. Yeah, they're, they're not trying to argue this in court. No, the court of public opinion. They cert- yeah, yes. they, they haven't. And, and in fact, they, they would have done if the lawyers agreed that this was a reasonable defence. Yeah. This would have been an argument that was made when they originally subpoenaed the documents. Exactly. Yes. And had a search yes. warrant or were applying to get a search warrant yeah. to come and get the documents. The, yep. the Trump's lawyers would have said, well, no, look at Just the, look at the Clinton yes. Sox case. He has yep. the right to do it. But they didn't do that. What they did was they signed the letter saying he's already handed over You've, all the documents. Yeah, yeah. There's You've nothing got else everything. to do. Yeah. Yeah. So they ignored <laughs> the context of that. And that yeah. this is essentially is it's what's called dicta, which is just a, a thing a judge said. It, this isn't. This doesn't form the basis of the ruling. This is right. a thing that the judge said during, you, you know, explaining the ruling. 
Yeah. And other things that she said are equally valid, like the fact that the documents floating around the executive branch uh, shall to the extent possible, be categorised as presidential records or personal records upon their creation or receipt and be filed separately. So there is a point at which, before Trump gets to take them away, they are already classified, characterised as either presidential or personal records. And one of the things that categorises them in that way is the Presidential Records Act, (laughs) which is the civil law that Trump is constantly pointing yes, to and the, saying the very, it gives yes. him the, the sole ability to, to do all this. What it says in the Presidential right. Records Act <laughs> is it defines, yeah. one of the very first things in the act is it defines presidential records. Yeah. Paragraph B of that is, does not include any documentary materials that are official records of an agency which many of the documents that Trump had are. Yes. We read all yes. the agencies that were covered, including Department of Energy and CIA and all of those yeah. last yeah. time. Um, so they aren't even classified as presidential records, let alone personal records. So they aren't covered yeah. under the PRA. Yeah, because they belong to the agencies they're, they're, them, Yeah, themselves. they're national defence yeah. material, yeah. which is covered yeah. under the Espionage Act of yeah. 1917. So, yeah. yeah, those things aren't covered. It also defines personal records. Which it defines as all documentary materials, any reasonably segregable proportion thereof, of a purely private and non-public character, which do not relate to or have any effect upon the carrying out of the constitutional, statutory or other official or ceremonial duties of the president. Right. So birthday cards from daughters or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. You kind of go, oh, yeah, fair enough. Particularly, well, it it gives some examples. Diaries, journals, other personal notes serving Mm -hmm. as the functional equivalent of a diary or journal. Uh, Materials relating to private political associations like their campaign, for example, for for re-election. So stuff that is to do with him as an individual or his campaign or like his thoughts on how cool it is to be president. Which is essentially Um, what the Clinton tapes were. It's like a journal, basically. It was yeah, a journal yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was aided yeah. by someone asking him questions and recording it, essentially. And, and not the actual job of being the president. No. Which is, which is involved, involves looking at briefings from, I don't know, military organisations. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Secret service like organisations. for example. Yeah, yeah. That, that kind, kind of thing. Of stuff, you know, how, how we might do away with Iraq. Yeah. Those kinds of things, yeah. Yeah. Which... But that's only part of the president's job because you get to have an insight into what the agencies are up to and then they make recommendations to the president or the president might ask them questions and they go away to it. But those documents are not his. They're not part of the president's documents because they belong to military organisations or secret service, yeah. and they are they bear the classification that they impose upon them, like classified, <laughs> top secret. Yeah, yeah. Those and those agency documents aren't even covered by the PRA, which is probably why yeah. the PRA isn't mentioned in the indictment against Trump or any of the 37 indictments against Trump. Right. <laughs> what right, because it's nothing to do <laughs> yeah. with what they the mention fact that these are your personal documents. Yeah. And, yes. and as Trump yeah. keeps pointing out, the Presidential Records Act, which he says covers all this, is a civil law. It's not a criminal law. And, mm-hmm. and so for some reason, he thinks that this civil law supersedes or in some way trumps the criminal law of, espi- of the Espionage Act, <laughs> which if, 
like the, that that was 1917 presidential record yeah. that was 1978 yeah. if they had been trying to modify the espionage act yeah they would have said so at the time you know the presidential yeah. Re- records act would have said this supersedes the this statute yeah the previous one which yeah. it, which obviously didn't not to mention the fact that suggesting that the pra is designed to give presidents ultimate authority over which records are theirs and which records are government property yeah ignores the fact that the reason we have a presidential records act is because of nixon exactly yeah so the, the the entire point was to stop nixon from from claiming those records were his own personal records but I, but I, well also to stop him from shredding everything because they yeah yeah it requiring in so that, that president yeah him and well it was all uh, of your records just to need clarify to be, slightly the right. the presidential records act came out of a couple of other laws that were passed specifically to do with nixon yeah in 1975 and 76 i think yeah there were laws about kind of retaining records and which which records were allowed to be his and which weren't and then yeah. by 1978 well after nixon was out of office yeah they said, "Oh, you know, we should probably have one of these that that covers for, all for presidents. everybody." Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so that's when we got just in case we get one yeah. as bad and corrupt and evil and criminal as Nixon, and they all kind of laughed it up and went, <laughs> yeah. "We'll never, never happen. We'll never get one. We've learned our lesson." <laughs> I think we should just write that into law. That's, yeah, from from now on, rather than just for this particular president, because we're sure he's going to shred everything. We'll just we'll just make that. We'll add that to the statute book. So when you when you swear allegiance to the the rules as a president, that's one of the rules. Yeah, all of the stuff that gets generated in your job is not your property. Yeah, and that and that's just that bit. So all of the other stuff running alongside that <laughs> has has been true since 1917. That that secret document documents that can be classified as secret or classified or top secret that belong to security agencies, military agencies, agencies that you work alongside who advise you and brief you and possibly listen to your decisions on and advice on those documents belong to them they always have done they have done for (laughs) over a hundred years that's going to stay the same the presidential records act that just deals with the shit that comes through your office there's nothing to do with military or security agencies all this stuff so that the one doesn't cover (laughs) the other so all the stuff you've got in your toilet which is marked top secret because it belongs to CIA or the FBI or military. Nothing to do with the PRA. And the PRA is nothing to do with what you're claiming. So he's he, he's concatenating several things together when he's saying, the Sox case exonerates me. <laughs> well, no, well, let's just unpick that a bit. <laughs> yeah. And there's a hundred over a hundred years of history there, and certainly over fifty years of history there to prevent this from happening. So, so the, the guy, what's his name, Litton? Oh, Fitton, Tom Fitton. Yeah. Fitton, Tom, how is how is that going down with Trump? Has he fired him yet? Is he paying oh, he's him? Just, he was just like a mate, essentially. Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. He's not. Right. He's like he's. 
accepting his advice over all his lawyers. Uh, right, of course, so, because yeah. he agrees with that's that the stuff. Thing, yeah, because it's, yeah, a, it's Tom, advice that lets him keep all the stuff he wants to keep. So let's just be clear. Tom Fitton, head of Judicial Watch, not a lawyer. Yeah. Right, okay, yeah. All the other lawyers who are saying, no, you can't do that because there are laws that have been in place for 100 years <laughs> Uh-huh. That prevent you from doing that. He's going. Ah, oh, no, 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 no. This guy says it's no. all right. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is yeah, which is the same <laughs> as Johnson saying. I asked somebody who was at the party if it was okay that we were at the party. What's he going to say? And 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 he works for me. I am his boss. Mm. So I asked him, and he said it's fine. So. Yeah. You know, I, t- I took that because I asked the one person I knew would tell me that it was okay. Yeah. Everybody else who told me it wasn't. Fine, then. You know, what do they know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do they know? <laughs> yeah. They don't work for me. <laughs> yeah. So, basically, the 37 counts he's being tried for. Has he been tried for them yet? And, uh, well, he's yeah. being Sometime soon. For- yeah. He's yeah. been indicted. He's been arraigned. Or actually to do with the military slash security, basically the espionage stuff. Yeah, there's 31 espionage act counts yeah. and yeah. six uh, that are obstruction of justice or so that's, tampering. So even, right, so even the ones where... So he's claiming that the PRA... Exemptive from all this stuff, and that that doesn't it, neither does it apply to the thirty one cases because that's under the the nineteen seventeen yeah. law. Nor does it apply to the obstruction, which is because he has said, "You've got everything." Yeah, when he and knew, then, he didn't, and they kept moving and then documents moved around. stuff. Yeah, yeah, to stop them finding <laughs> them. Uh-huh. But, and if 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 my understanding of the word obstruction is to stop something happening. <laughs> You put an obstruction in the right, then that seems to be. Yeah, but remember that, that Trump's yeah. uh, theory on obstruction of justice, as fed right. to him by Bill Barr, um, uh, okay, yeah, yeah, was that if there isn't an underlying crime that can be proved, uh, then, then you can't obstruct justice. So, if if he can claim right. that the Espionage Act stuff is nonsense because it's all covered by the PRA and that's all fine then there's no obstruction of justice charge to answer because you can't obstruct justice if you were perfectly allowed if to have was, those things. If there's no course, injustice that, happening. That was nonsense right. at the time because that, su- right. that system suggests that if you obstruct justice well enough, you can't ever be <laughs> accused yeah. of obstructing justice because you can, if you can do it to the extent that it stops them being able to prove you did a crime in the first place, they can't get right. you on obstruction of justice either. Yeah. Because there's no injustice uh-huh. being being justly investigated. Yeah. And finally, some things we really don't have time to talk about. Even Alan Dershowitz has called the audio of Trump showing people classified documents, if not a smoking gun, certainly a gun with Trump's fingerprints on it. (laughs) But the man himself is undaunted and continued his usual practice of telling people they didn't hear what they very clearly heard. He told Semaphore and ABC, I would say it was bravado, if you want to know the truth. It was bravado. I was talking and just holding up papers and talking about them, but I had no documents. I didn't have any documents. Juries love it when your defence is, I was lying then, but now I'm telling the truth. So that's sure to work. 
Even Fox News pointed out to Trump that he'd specifically said on the audio that they were plans he was showing, to which he replied, Did I use the word plans? What I'm referring to is magazines, newspapers, plans of buildings. I had plans of buildings, you know, building plans. I had plans of a golf course. Which is a really weird lie when you've already claimed the papers you're audibly waving around aren't what you were audibly claiming they were. You don't have to make up an extra bullshit lie to justify the use of the word plans when you can just say, I've already said it was bravado, I didn't have any plans. He's so bad at lying, which, if anything, totally disproves Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hours theory because Trump's hours of lying practice must be in the hundreds of thousands by now. There's your next Trump book right there. Yeah. <laughs> when I was little, stores used to encourage loyalty by issuing their own coupons the size of postage stamps. And if you've got enough stuck in a book, you could redeem them against product in that store. You couldn't spend them in other stores, nor were they worth anything. I can remember reading the tiny small print that stated this has a face value of 0.00003 pence. There was also a series of metallic coins with pictures of the space race stamped on them issued at Shell gas stations during the early years of the National Space Programme. And even as kids, we knew the candy store was never going to take those. However, some of Trump's most ardent slash ignorant patrio-idiotic supporters have been buying up Trump bucks and believing, because who wouldn't? After all, why hasn't he got his head on a dollar bill or a nickel? He's every bit as good as Franklin or Lincoln. The sellers of these products kind of claim that they're endorsed by Trump using an AI-generated Trump voice, or Jim, to <laughs> say as much. And those who buy these items, the ads from Patriots Dynasty, Patriots Future, and USA Patriots suggest, will be rewarded when Trump unveils... A new monetary system that will turn these products into legal tender worth far more than the purchase price, at which point I'd be all shark tanky and I'm out. But no, one Alabama grandmother, and yes, there's others from Florida, of course, says she was initially fooled by the AI version of Trump she saw in the ads. She trusted Trump's supposed business acumen and thought this was a good investment to have something to leave behind for her children. Now I realize, well, that was stupid, she said, but I bought them because I believe President Trump because he knows all about finance <laughs> and he was going to help the real Trump patriots get rich. Her grandchildren had to get her to go into the Bank of America to try and cash them in in order for her to believe it. And they must have also gone next door to the local law office to get a living power of attorney over her finances, surely. Noah Christopher, administrator of We Love Trump on Telegram, is incensed that such fakery is being proliferated using Trump's brand and warn his subscribers to be wary. Well, patriots, you're going to reap just what you sow, except it will be worth a lot less than what you've sown. Yeah, there is that. Especially if you watch one of the Trump Bucks ads right to the end, the AI narrator John says in the equivalent of tiny print, Trump Bucks are not legal tender. Meanwhile, someone, possibly Trump, is getting rich. So there's that. <laughs> yeah, the brilliant thing is the, the AI narrator 
says Trump bucks are not legal tender and then almost immediately yeah. says and you'll be able to swap this $100 Trump buck for $10,000 <laughs> like what exactly. the fuck no you won't yeah yeah, <laughs> like, yeah but once once he gets in power and he sweeps in it's a properly QAnon thing it's lovely isn't it he'll, he'll unveil a new monetary system he's going to sweep in and bring mm. the new religion the new capitalism so good it was the Supreme Court's last week of rulings before their breaks for the summer, so naturally they pulled some evil shit, most of which we'll talk about on our next episode. But for starters, they ruled that a web designer was totally allowed to put up the modern equivalent of a No Blacks, No Irish sign on their website because she believed in the right invisible sky wizard. Colorado web designer Laurie Smith does not make wedding websites, nor has anyone asked her to, but she felt that if she did decide to start making wedding websites, she would obviously have to write something on her homepage to make it clear she wouldn't work for any icky same-sex couples, because ew. But because of those pesky anti-discrimination laws in Colorado, some people might think she was the one in the wrong here. So despite the fact she's never been asked by anyone to make a website for a same-sex wedding, she sued the state of Colorado and obviously lost because she's the one in the wrong. She appealed to a federal court and obviously lost again because courts have to follow the law and the law is very clear. So she appealed to the Supreme Court, which doesn't have to follow the law and gets to do whatever they want, or at least whatever the billionaires who fund their lavish lifestyles tell them to do. The fact that there was no live case or controversy meant that the various courts should not have been able to rule on this at all because they want to discourage people from using up court time and resources on hypothetical questions. So Smith claimed a same-sex couple called Stuart and Mike had asked for a website she didn't want to make and even included their contact details in the lawsuit. Unfortunately for her, journalists exist, and the ones at the New Republic decided to do more due diligence than any of the courts or lawyers involved in the case and actually called Stuart. He was surprised to find that he was named in the lawsuit, especially since he's already married, he's not gay, and he's actually a web designer himself, so wouldn't need to avail himself of lorry services. <laughs> Brilliant. Didn't stop the Supreme Court, though. <laughs> no, nope, yeah. they don't give a because shit. No, no, because, because, just because. Of course, the Trump presidential candidacy campaign would tell you their man is on fire and bound to burn up the other contenders in a six-pumper conflagration. Well, if they were good at multisyllabic metaphors, they would. Turns out they're not wrong. In a thing that reminds me of when a company asked the general public to name a new exploration ship only to end up with Boaty McBoatface, it appears that residents wrote in to the Hubbard Rural Fire Protection District to propose people to sit on the board. And Trump got proposed by two write-in votes and won out over five other candidates who also got two votes by a roll of a dice. Apparently unperturbed by the solely mail-in balloting or by the actual throwing of multiple rolls of a 12-sided dice in a tiebreaker to decide a vote, Trump's presidential campaign has not yet responded to a request for comment. <laughs> However, since residency in the 5,000-strong district is a prerequisite for taking up the position, there's a chance that local fire chief Michael Carmen will ask one of the other local candidates if they want the role. Astonishingly, election records show Trump also earned two votes to serve on the board of the nearby Marion County Fire District in the county's local election though he was beat out by other candidates in that race. Amongst the other writing candidates for that role were Smokey the Bear, Snoop Dogg, Snoopy the Dog, actor Timothy Chalamet, and 
Mickey Mouse, who earned six votes. <laughs> okay. So a former president of the USA couldn't get sufficient votes to beat Mickey Mouse in a local election. Yeah, I wonder what kind of phone Trump was calling around on to try and get those two, one or two, ten thousands of votes with hope in hell. <laughs> Imagine being a right winger so unbelievably awful that even Marjorie Taylor Greene can't stand you. Well, that's Lauren Boebert for you. At first glance, you'd imagine these two screeching bigots would be BFFs and rule Congress like the Heathers or Regina George and the Plastics. But in fact, they're so unpleasant to be around, they even irritate each other. The running feud between the Real Housewives of DC came to a head last week when MTG called Bobo a little bitch on the House floor. And when asked to elaborate by Semaphore, she clarified that she has genuinely been a nasty little bitch to me. You're probably wondering where this deep-seated resentment comes from. Did Bobert make fun of MTG for thinking someone was trying to kill her through her TV this week? Did MTG make fun of Bobert because professional wrestler Stan Lane took two DNA tests so he could prove he wasn't her father because people saying he was was tarnishing his reputation? No, the reason for the feud is, of course, the stupidest one possible. They're fighting over who gets to be the one to try to impeach Joe Biden despite having no actual basis to do so. Each one is yelling that the other one is only doing it for publicity and fundraising purposes. They're both right, of course, which is probably the first time that's happened. Let them fight. <laughs> An Indiana chapter of the group Moms for Liberty, and, and let's face it, any group that divides itself into subgroups called chapters is asking for comparison <laughs> to ever so slightly extreme groups like, say, the Hells Angels, perhaps. Anyway, they have objected to being called an extremist group. We're not an extremist group, they insisted, publishing as much in their recent newsletter called The Parent Brigade. <laughs> Again, I don't know about you, but I'm hearing tiny alarm bells. To express their zeal and enthusiasm for supporting youth in their dedication to parental rights and focusing on fighting school programs aimed at promoting LGBT inclusion, awareness of racism and diversity, they included the quote, He alone who owns the youth, gains the future. And the keen-eyed historians among you will note that it's not using the reductio ad Hitlerum fallacy this time to point out that that quote comes from one A. Hitler's speech from 1935. We condemn Adolf Hitler's actions and his dark place in human history, Paige Miller, the chairwoman of the Hamilton County Moms for Liberty, wrote in an update posted to the group's Facebook page, we should not have quoted him in our newsletter, and we express our deepest apology. After posting the update and the apology on Thursday, the Hamilton County Moms for Liberty Facebook group returned to its normal business, which apparently includes attacking a local school and performing arts centre for hosting LGBTQ pride events and initiatives. So yeah, condemnation of Hitlerian ideals indeed. The Washington Post reported last week that after losing the November 2020 election, Trump called the Republican governor of a southern state which Trump lost by around 11,000 votes to pressure him into trying to overturn the election by finding the right number of fraudulent votes. Now, I didn't press the wrong button and start playing a headline from episode 66, <laughs> and the Washington Post hasn't started recycling stories to save on journalists' salaries. This story is about Arizona Governor Doug Ducey, who received a cut-and-paste oh. call from Trump in late 2020, but unfortunately, unlike Georgia's Brad Raffensperger, didn't record his one. According to the Post, 
Four people familiar with the call said Trump spoke specifically about his shortfall of more than 10,000 votes in Arizona and then espoused a range of false claims that would show he overwhelmingly won the election in the state and encouraged Ducey to study them. As of yet, it's not clear whether Jack Smith has contacted Doug Ducey yet, but then he only spoke to Brad Raffensperger last Wednesday, so there's still plenty of time. (laughs) Yeah, and about the Mickey Mouse winning thing, yeah. This week in the UK, yes, unnervingly, bank lending rates have gone up to 5% because inflation isn't where it is vis-a-vis Rishi's pledge when he came into office, i.e. half the current 10%. As with all the other pledges, they are shifting chimeras of foggy sand, the kind of thing that if it goes well and according to plan, there is electoral credit to be had. But if it all goes horribly wrong, because they're the kinds of things that government, even this out-of-control government, has no control over, then Rishi can wash his tiny hands and walk away, back into his mouse hole, whistling the tune that Cameron did when he fucked up the referendum. Speaking of control, Nadine and Jacob, who have bleated on about how we could take back control of our sovereignty and have government police itself rather than from Brussels, were found to be very probably in breach of the ministerial code for bringing the committee investigating Boris into disrepute by peddling the kangaroo court angle. The pair are now, in the face of Parliament, sovereignly and firmly taking back control of policing the government, now bleating that it's not fair. And what about freedom of speech? Yeah, what about libel and slander, you dimwits? Sorry, Sir Dimwit. More control has been exerted by a British sovereign court of appeal who deemed that Braverman's Rwanda shipping refugee deal is actually illegal and that Rwanda isn't safe, thus breaching the UN Human Rights Treaty. Not satisfied with that, Braverman, in true Tory fashion, will simply leave the club that has those rules, thus threatening to withdraw the UK from the treaty, one that the UK actually wrote most of in the first place. Vanity, vanity, all is vanity, and the sooner they're on the bonfire of it, the better. It's actually quite relaxing being in riotous France in comparison. So that's all the bad arguments and faulty reasoning we have time for this week. You'll find the show notes at fallaciousTrump.com and if you hear Trump say something stupid and want to ask if it's a fallacy, our contact details are on the contact page. If you think we've used a fallacy ourselves, let us know. And if you've had a good time, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts or simply tell one other person in person about how much they'd like our podcast. And you can support the show at patreon.com slash ftrump like our straw man level patrons, Laura Tomsick. Renee Zed, Schmutz, Mark Reiki, and Amber R. Buchanan, who told us when we met her at QED, we could just call her Amber. And our true Scotsman-level patrons, Stephen Bickle, Janet Luetta, Kaz Tui, Andrew Houck, and our top patron, Lauren. Thank you so much for your continued support. It's very much appreciated. You can connect with those awesome people, as well as us and other listeners, in the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Fallacious Trump. All music is by The Outburst and was used with permission. So until next time on Fallacious Trump, we'll leave the last word... To the Donald. That's right, go home to mommy. Bye. Bye. If you think we've used the Pharisees, if you think we've used the Pharisee ourselves, let us know. And if you've ever and if, if you've ever had a good time, just let us know. If you if you think we've used the Pharisee ourselves, let us know. And if you've had a good time, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your policy. Policy? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's podcast and fallacy all in one. Oh, yeah.